I want to call your attention now to the Gospel of Matthew, from which we read a few moments ago, Matthew chapter 16. And we want to take as our text verses 13 and 15, and in particular the two questions that are raised by our Lord Jesus in these two verses. The question of verse 13 is, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And the question of verse 15 is, But whom say ye that I am? The scene here is in the third and final year of our Lord's public ministry during a period of time in which he devoted himself especially to ministering to the twelve away from the multitudes at least for some periods of time and ministering in particular to his twelve disciples. That gives some explanation to the uh, rather uh, surprising words of verse 20 when he charged uh, his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. He wanted quiet time with his disciples here for this time. And you notice that he asks them these two questions. The first followed up by the second. We might ask why he asked these questions. I do not believe he asked for his own information. Certainly as God, he knew the answer to these questions. He knows the thoughts of everyone. Nor was he asking like a politician today who is taking a public opinion poll to know how his numbers are doing and what his popularity is. Popularity was never our Lord's concern. He didn't ask these questions to boost his own ego as if it needed help. Far from it. In fact, we see his humility here in the first question in his calling himself the Son of Man, a low and humble title, indicating his humanity. Rather, He asked these questions, undoubtedly, for the benefit of the disciples to provoke them to deep thought concerning him, to move them to decisiveness and resolution, to follow him regardless of the cost, 
as the remainder of the chapter sets forth. There would be a cross that he would carry. And he says, everyone who's my disciple has a cross to carry. They identify with me. They come, they march to the death with me. And so it is fitting that he should put these questions to them for the benefit of their own soul searching. And beloved, we should consider these questions today for the same reason. That we might search our own hearts also. Let's look at the first question. Whom do men say that I the son of man am? This was the question concerning public opinion. Everyone had an opinion about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a public figure. Everywhere he went, things happened. Sick were healed. Demons cast out. Even the dead raised. You could not avoid having an opinion about this man, Jesus. He became the subject of conversation, the talk of the town, as we say. Everywhere he went, crowds gathered and followed and watched and listened to him. Could anyone remain indifferent to him in those days and weeks and years of his public ministry? No, everyone had an opinion about Christ. And it is the same to this day. Jesus is the most well-known figure in human history. And he remains the most controversial as well. Everyone still to this day has some opinion about him. Now, as 2,000 years ago, some love him and some hate him. And some may try to ignore him and profess that they have no opinion concerning him. But I tell you, even having no opinion about him is, in fact, a kind of opinion. It is to say, he's not worthy of my thoughts. He's not worth being concerned about. And that is a very bad opinion and a wrong opinion. The ones who hate him or claim to have even no opinion about him are the ones so often who take his name in vain and take his name so lightly and use it as an exclamation and an interjection in their conversation. And it's interesting how many people would claim to have nothing to do with Jesus. 
but they take his name in vain day after day. I think it's interesting to note in this question that Jesus expected his disciples to have some knowledge of what the general population were saying about him. He expected them to have their ear to the ground and to be paying attention and listening and having conversations with others about him. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It goes without saying that we have, even in our modern world, perhaps uh, more than even then, experts on the opinions of others concerning Christ. There are some who make their living taking religious opinion polls. And they go around, or they do it online, you know. We, 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 older people still envision a clipboard and a piece of paper and a pen and going around and asking people, uh, who do you think Jesus is? What do you think of Jesus? Tell us about your beliefs and so on. And it's a science to them. They measure and monitor what others think of Jesus. But they themselves so easily remain detached. And it's just a scientific kind of study. It's an impersonal field of study to them. They want to know what others think. And that's all. There are yet others who enjoy reading after great thinkers and philosophers of this world to see what they have to say about Jesus. And they want to know what uh, what the great thinkers have to say about Buddha and about Muhammad and about Gandhi and on and on. Well, we can be sure that this was not the position of the disciples, or at least eleven of the twelve, uh, of eleven of the twelve of Christ's disciples, we know that by what follows and by the profession that Peter made, speaking for the others. <clears throat> and I wonder if there's anyone here today, like some that I've been describing. You know what others think about Jesus. You may know a great deal of what others think about him. Children may well know what their parents think about him. You may know what your spouse thinks about him. And what friends, I hope you know what this preacher thinks about Jesus. You may know very well what A confession of faith says about Jesus. You may be an expert on the views of others. But the real question is, what about you? We'll come to that more in a moment. I just want to say this at this point. You cannot live on someone else's knowledge 
of Jesus. You cannot rest on someone else's experience with Jesus. Children, listen. Your parents' faith is not enough for you. You must have your own faith and come to know Jesus yourself. But there is benefit in asking the question, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And notice the answer that the disciples gave, verse 14. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Now there's quite a variety of opinion here. Four different categories mentioned. John the Baptist. Who would have said that Jesus was John the Baptist? Well, certainly Herod said that and thought that. He remembered beheading John the Baptist in prison. And he hears about Jesus and he says, is this John the Baptist who has been raised from the dead? Is this John's ghost that is walking and working on the earth once again? His guilty conscience troubled him. Perhaps he had others that were of the same opinion as he. Herod was not the only one. He was just the most public one. Some said Elias, that is, Elijah. Perhaps as they read the Old Testament, they saw this prophecy in Malachi chapter 4 of the coming of one called Elijah. Well, the the original Elijah is long gone, but there would come someone in the spirit of Elijah with who would be denouncing sin in a fiery way and working miracles like Elijah did. And after all, Elijah didn't die. He was taken up into heaven. So some people were saying, well, this this Jesus of Nazareth is really Elijah. Some were saying that he was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet the one who wrote the book of Lamentations. And Jesus was known as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So perhaps that made some people think, well, this is, this is some sort of a reappearance of Jeremiah. And then others, uh, one of the prophets, they had perhaps... Various ones in mind that they uh, that they saw parallels between this prophet and that prophet and, and Jesus of Nazareth. But of course, all of these opinions were wrong. Even the demons had a more accurate opinion of who Jesus was than the Jewish population. We see various scenes uh, in the Lord's public ministry, such as this one where the maniac of Gadara and the demons that spoke through him said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? 
you know, Herod and some of these other Jewish people could have learned something about Jesus if they had just listened to the maniac of Gadara and others like him. The disciples didn't bother to tell Jesus what the opinion of the Pharisees and Sadducees was. It was already well known, of course. They thought he was a deceiver, a demoniac, a blasphemer, and so on. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? There were a variety of opinions, just as there are today. And I'll just mention a few here, and you can probably add to the list. There are some who say that Jesus was the founder of one of the three great religions of the world. And they put him on a par with Moses and Muhammad. Some say he was an unconventional, countercultural guru that had a, a, a charismatic personality and drew a following after him that eventually turned into the, the Christian religion. Some say Jesus was a great teacher. He was a great teacher, but he didn't have great students. All of his students were poor students, so poor that his high and lofty ideals were never lived out by anyone, never implemented. Some today think of Jesus as a political activist. And there are those on the conservative side of the spectrum who see him in that way. And, of course, there are others on the liberal side of the spectrum who see him that way as the defender of the oppressed and the social justice warrior of his day. It's so sad. But to many, Jesus is a super psychologist who helps us with all of our insecurities and fears, gets us through the difficulties of life. To others, he's just a miracle worker who comes along at the last minute and bails you out of your problems and difficulties. And there are cults, who would say that Jesus is simply a man who arrived at godhood, evolved into God, or some highly elevated uh, angelic being. To atheists, Jesus is a foe to despise, or to redefine in some diminished way. And they oftentimes are the ones who say things like, oh yes, 
Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God in the flesh. But that is an impossible position to hold consistently. For this reason, if you look at the whole of his teaching, you see that he did, in fact, repeatedly claim to be God. And so to say he's a great teacher, but he's not God, is to deny his very teaching. And these people who speak like this think that they find some middle ground of sympathy for his ethical instructions and unbelief concerning his redemptive teaching and work. They say things like, oh, his simple teachings were developed by his followers later, far beyond the original, and they made it into this big, complicated religion and so on. All I can say is those who think that way have not honestly read the four Gospels. And as I said earlier, it's so sad, it's so grievous. But to many today, the name of Jesus is only useful for vain cursing, invoking curses upon people and things and events, or even invoking a curse upon themselves. Themselves. Well, that brings us then to the second question. And this question gets close to the heart, close to the conscience. It's not just what do others say about Jesus, but what do you say about Jesus? He saith unto them, Whom say ye that I am? Christ insists on making it personal. To the disciples. And he insists on making it personal to you and me today. Well, certainly Peter got the message. Peter took it personally, didn't he? He speaks as, in some ways, a spokesman for the rest, no doubt. <clears throat> Verse 16 Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, What a marvelous and beautiful answer this is. Brief, but comprehensive. He says, you are the Christ. The Christ. The term Christ means anointed. Or the anointed one. The, the one and only anointed one. Yes, there were prophets anointed in the Old Testament times, and priests anointed, and kings anointed. They were only types and shadows of Jesus, the ultimate prophet and priest and king, the anointed Messiah, which is the Hebrew 
word of the same. The promised Savior, the appointed Redeemer, sent from heaven to earth, the Son of the living God. As we said a moment ago, others thought of him, some others thought of him as a ghost of a dead man. Peter says just the opposite. You're the son of the living God. Again, Jesus had used the term son of man with regard to himself in verse 13. Peter uses the term son of the living God in answer to the second question in verse 16. Peter was able to see beyond the veil of flesh and the veil of humanity. And he recognized the divine identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you're the eternal son sent from the father in heaven to be the savior You are the only redeemer of mankind. You are God in the flesh. You are the anointed mediator. The reconciler of sinners to God. That's what Peter is saying in so many words there in verse 16. He says, we recognize you as God in the flesh. And then notice, if you will, Christ's response in verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And again, there's much to consider here in our Lord's response to this profession that Peter made. Jesus, in so many words here, acknowledges the validity of what Peter had said. He did not say, well, Peter, thanks for the compliment, but that's a little over the top. Uh, Your opinion of me is a little too high and it needs to come down to reality. No. Not at all. He says, Peter, you're the happy man. You're the blessed man. Because you know who I am. This is yet again one of many passages in which the Lord Jesus Christ does in fact make claim to deity. Notice again, Jesus does not say, Simon, son of Jonah, you are to be congratulated. You have tremendous insight. You have brilliant intuition. No, it wasn't a matter of intuition and intelligence native to Peter. 
it was a matter of God, the Father in heaven, revealing to the mind and heart of Peter who Jesus truly is. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The best that flesh and blood could reveal concerning Jesus was, well, maybe he's John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elias and so forth. No. For a person to say what Peter said and and understand the true identity of Jesus as the Savior, the Anointed, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That required a work of grace in the heart, wrought by God himself, a matter of revelation, a matter of unveiling, removing the scales, removing the veil, so that he could see and recognize Jesus for who he truly was. So if we want to say Peter had figured it out, we must certainly say he hadn't figured it out on his own. It was revealed to him. And every one of us who knows Christ truly knows him in the same way by personal inward illumination or revelation. Christ has unveiled our soul to his glorious being and his true identity. Well then, this is the second question. Whom do, uh, whom say ye that I am? And I want to ponder this question here as we conclude. This is the same question that comes to us today. And I want each of us here today to take it very personally and intimately. Who do you say Jesus is? To put it another way, who is Jesus to you? You must have an opinion about him. You can't help it. There's no neutrality concerning Jesus. You have some opinion about him. What is it? Do you follow the crowds of this world and their various opinions that range from the inadequate to the blasphemous? Or like Peter, do you see in this Son of Man, He who is the Son of God, the Son of the living God, incarnate, For our redemption, who lived and died and rose again to save us from our sins. Do you see him as the object of your trust, the object of your affections, the one in whom your soul delights, The one whom you love supremely and worship exclusively. And it must be in a way more than just an opinion. I keep using the word opinion. 
But it must be a deep conviction and an absolute certainty in your soul. Unquestionable. Just a little earlier in Galilee, recorded in John chapter 6, Peter had made this profession or confession. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He says, there's no one else to turn to. There's no one else to go to. Thou hast the words of eternal life. And then listen to what he says, very similar to what he says here. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. That takes it beyond the realm of just a superficial opinion, doesn't it? That makes it a deep, firm conviction and certainty. We believe and are sure. Peter says there's no question, there's no doubt. We are sure that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Same terms that he used here. Are those the terms that you use, my friend? Is it a deep conviction with you? Are you absolutely convinced and certain? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, Peter's recognizing of him did not make him to be that. In other words, Peter did not create his own reality about Jesus by believing in him and acknowledging him. Jesus was who he was regardless of Peter's response to him. And I emphasize that because there are those today who say, oh, you can believe in Jesus and and believe he's your savior and that's your truth. It applies to you. If you're happy with that and content with that, that's good for you. And they remove all objective, absolute about any matter. Someone else may believe in hot fudge Sundays. And that's their belief. And that's their reality. And that's their truth. And so I must make that point today. Jesus is who he is regardless of your opinion or your view of him. We do not create our own reality by believing in him. We simply acknowledge the truth concerning him. Truth that is absolute, unchanged, and unchanging. And let me point out one more thing. Jesus' question in verse 15 was not, but whom think ye that I am? He uses the word say. Whom say ye that I am? And I emphasize that because of the importance elsewhere in Scripture placed upon the public profession of faith. Speaking concerning him. Telling others of him. 
just as certainly as the disciples had been listening to what others said about Jesus, they had also been informing others about Jesus. Whom do ye say that I am? I say all that to make this point. We need to let others know what we believe about Jesus. We need to be speaking and saying and talking to others about him. Do others know that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? I'll never forget what dear brother Ron Crisp said and has said over the years concerning his children. He said, I I could not make them believe on Christ, but I could make them believe that I believe on Christ. May others know what we believe, and may the Lord be pleased to use that to encourage them and to induce them to believe also. And so, to conclude here today, the one who knows Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the one who is truly blessed or happy. Again, verse 17, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Happiness is what everyone is looking for and what everyone fails to find except in the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation in him. This, beloved, is true happiness. This is lasting happiness. A saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A saving trust in him. And so I want to leave you with this question today. Do you know him? Do you know him? This is the vital, essential question. Who do you say that Jesus is?